Heavenly Father, we come before you and want to exalt your name, we want to bless you, we want to worship you. Lord, we ask that you administer to us, that you would touch us, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. I pray that we would grow in our understanding of you and all that you've done for us. We give you praise, Lord. We thank you this morning that, Lord, you are so good and so gracious, so kind and so wonderful, so glorious. Lord, we give you praise this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I, I'm going to ask you to join me in a little while. I'm going to start to minister. Right in the middle of my message, I'm going to ask you to praise the Lord. Heaven's above, right in the middle of the message. Absolutely. So I hope you'll join me because I think that Jesus is always worthy of honor, always worthy of glory. Amen. So um, I'll tell you, we're going to stop and praise. And I just really want to give you, ask, give you an opportunity to really give your heart to the Lord as we praise and give thanks to Him. In Jesus' name, praise God. How many of you it is in your heart and, and you really desire to be like Jesus? Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, uh, I want to share with you about a title of Christ uh, that surprisingly very few people uh, don't seem to want. <laughs> and uh, some would even go as far as to spurn and reject this title. And uh, I, I wonder if you can guess what that title is. You know, Jesus has many wonderful and magnificent titles. He's the, the Rose of Sharon. He's the Lily of the Valley. He's the fairest of 10,000. He's the King of Kings. He's our Redeemer. He's our, these are all wonderful titles. But there is a title that we're going to talk about this morning that very few people seem to know about and even less want to pursue. I hope I've tweaked your interest. I hope... Um, can anybody guess what I'm talking about? Okay, good. I've done my job properly then. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, so... Okay, I want to turn to Matthew chapter 12, verses 15 and through 18. And I want to say to you, before we actually read the scripture, that this is going to be a little mini-series. So there's stuff that uh, I have purposely left for next week. And so we won't be sharing everything that, that uh, this morning because there's just too much wonderful stuff um, to, to cram in or to leave out. Uh, and so this will be a mini-series and we'll be looking at uh, this subject next week as well. So Matthew chapter 12, and I'm reading three verses, 15 through 18. And I'm reading it in the Amplified uh, Version because it's beautifully worded there. It says, Being aware of this, Jesus went away from there, and many people joined and accompanied him, and he cured all of them, and strictly charged them and sharply warned them not to make him publicly known. This is in fulfillment of what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant... That's what I want to speak to you about this morning. Jesus is the servant king. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in and with whom my soul is well pleased and has found its delight. I will put my spirit upon him and he shall proclaim and show forth justice to the nations. And so, what I want to uh, draw your attention, remember I said to you, whenever you see the word behold, what does it mean? Look and learn. There's something remarkable or impressive here. 
And so we, we want to, we see that, uh, that we're told to behold the servant. There's something remarkable or impressive to the earth. There's something for us to learn. Our Heavenly Father is actually speaking about His servant. And I want you to see how God views His servant. He says, that, uh, My servant, my chosen, my beloved, who is well-pleasing, and I'm delighted in. These are all positive confessions about servanthood. This is all the way God sees servanthood. As positive, it's beautiful, it's something magnificent. This is what we're to learn. This is what we're to embrace. It's incredible. Our Heavenly Father is delighted to bestow honor and dignity and respect to the title, the servant of God. And so if we are going to pursue God and pursue the title, we're going to receive that honor and respect because God is going to bless us in wonderful ways as we're going to, to look through. But I want you to see that, um, that this title, the servant of God, is just like any other title, like El Shaddai, uh, the Almighty God. That's a title. Jesus' title is the servant king. He's both the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and the servant of creation. It amazes me as I begin to think about this. Because there's nobody in all humanity who has ever served us like Jesus, our master, our king of kings. He has served us. Generally, our picture of servanthood is one of negativity. You know, we, we kind of feel it's demeaning, it's degrading. Uh, we don't want to be any part of that. You know, we, uh, we don't want to do that. It's uh, undignified and, uh, you know... Everybody wants to be the boss, you know, but nobody wants to be the servant. Jesus came as the servant of all. You know, it's an incredible thing. Everybody wants to be the boss until they are the boss and realize that the buck stops with them. <laughs> then it's a whole different story. Anyway, that, that aside, okay. But you know, this is true even in the church, okay. It stems from an insecurity over our identity of who we are in Christ. Uh, if we truly knew who we were in Jesus, we, had, we would have absolutely no problem whatsoever serving because Jesus is our role model and our example. Consider Jesus for a moment. Our exalted Lord and Master, part of the Godhead. He's the one who created all. He is the King of Kings. Colossians 1.16 and verse 17 says, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and in earth, whether they be visible or invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And by Him, all things consist. How glorious is that Christ? How wonderful is the Lord? What an awesome God we serve. Can you say amen? Absolutely amazing. He is high and lifted up and His train fills the temple. He is maker of the universe, high above all. There is no one like Him. The magnified, exalted Christ, who is worshipped and adored by all creation, by man and angels and seraphim and cherubim, all creation worships Him and, the glory, and His glory covers the whole earth. This is the Lord who we've come to serve. And this is the glory of our God. Now the supreme exalted God lays aside His majesty and His glory. He humbles Himself and becomes a man. Can you imagine the, the omnipotence of God who holds the universe in His hand now humbles Himself and takes on all the limitations of, of, of 
human form. He becomes a man. Jesus is God in human flesh. He come to serve and to save humanity. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I am stunned and awed that God would do that. What a servant king. I think it's time that we could pause to praise and give thanks to the Lord. What a mighty God. Lord, we praise you. We exalt you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Great is the Lord and great thing to be praised. Oh, hallelujah. Exalt his name forever. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. You know, Christ by serving changed the world. He literally changed the world. He brought an end to the Roman Empire, and every empire since then has been, has been inferior to the empire that Jesus has established there. He changed the world with his service. His impact lit- literally changed the world forever. That was the mark of Jesus' ministry. Now think of this great and magnificent God. Listen to what it says in Matthew 20 and verse 28. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Wow. How glibly we read over those words with such familiarity, they lose its impact. But think about it again. It says, just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. This great and glorious God came to serve you and I. He came to serve humanity. It goes on to say, and to give his life as a ransom for many. How glibly we read those words and seldom pause to to think about their depth and their significance. That the Lord of glory comes to earth, not to rule and reign over us, but to serve us. And what's more, to give his life as a ransom for us. What a wonderful God. What an amazing Savior. Hallelujah. Oh, what an incredible love. Think about our God and King should serve you and I. How quickly we read over these verses and miss the depth. Our God and King came to serve you and I. I'm awestruck. I'm, I'm, I'm lost for words when I, when I think about this. Um, Lord, I just pray you, your blessing upon, uh, uh, upon everything. And I'm, I look at this and I think, Lord, it's truly amazing that the God of creation would do this for us. I'm lost for words. Who were we before we became to Christ? Before he came into our lives, we were lost in our hour of sin and darkness. You know, we were full of guilt and shame, bound by the filth and the degradation of the world. We were lost and abandoned. But what did Christ do? This exalted king who humbled himself and became a man. He washed us. He cleansed us. He forgave us. Washed us in his blood. Sanctified us. And more than that, we who were in darkness have now been made uh, a royal priesthood. Amazing. What a transformation from the bondage of sin to now a royal priesthood. That's the work of transformation that Christ is going to do. Listen to what it says. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you should, uh, a peculiar people, that you should call forth the praise of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You know, I read this in the Amplified as well because I read all the different versions. And I just had to include this version as well because it is beautiful. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people. That you may set forth 
the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfection of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Wow! That we should display the virtues of His and perfection of the Lord. That's our calling. What an amazing thing that God has done for us. What a ministry God has given to us as the priesthood of God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. God has exalted us. I am so amazed that God would take the the, 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 the scourings of the world that the world doesn't want, the world doesn't value, doesn't esteem. And God says, I am going to choose you. I have called you by name. And He brings us out of darkness and He brings us out of the kingdom of darkness, translates us into the kingdom of His dear Son, and He fills us with His Spirit and anoints us as kings and priests unto our God. It's amazing. God has crowned us with glory and honor. 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now we are kings and priests unto our God. Hallelujah. Did you know that old hymn, crown him with, uh, with many crowns, yes. the lamb upon it, speaking about Jesus. But did you know that we too can be crowned with many crowns? That's the amazing truth. We could be singing that song about us as we labor for the Master. You know, there are five eternal crowns mentioned in the New Testament. Heavenly crowns that are awarded to believers for their service. There's the crown of rejoicing. I want that one. I'm going to rejoice before the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. There's the crown of righteousness. I want that one. I think I'll have some today. The crown of glory. Oh, I've got to have that one. The crown of glory. The crown of life. And the, and the imperishable crown. These are the crowns that we are going to be crowned with if we faithfully serve the Lord. So that we too can be crowned with many crowns. You know, we're going to be uh, really blessed. Because that word crown in the Greek is Stephanus. And it, and it literally means a, a badge of honor or a symbol of royalty. And so we have now become part of the entourage, the royal entourage of heaven, as kings and priests of God. That's who we are. We are made kings and priests to serve Jesus. And you know, that's not just a title. Because after the millennium, when Jesus comes back to set up, I mean, after the marriage supper of the Lamb, when Jesus comes to set up the millennial reign of Christ, he's not going to do it by himself. He's going to have kings with him who are going to rule and reign with him. Who are those kings? You and I. Yeah, what an amazing thing God has done for us. You know, He's called you into the royal, He's like adopted you into the royal household. You're now part of the royal family of heaven. Hallelujah. Are you excited about that? Now, because of what Christ has done by giving us this exalted position, we're the same as Jesus. We've been exalted like Jesus has been exalted. And now Christ invites us to follow in His footsteps and change the world by our service. He has done it for us so that we can do it for others. Hallelujah. And so He says this. He says, I've exalted you, I've honored you, crowned you with glory and honor. Isn't that what they've done for Jesus? Isn't Jesus crowned with glory and honor? Yes, amen. 
And so now we, we've been exalted. God has blessed us. And now He gives us this opportunity. This is not something that you can be compelled into, something you can be forced into. This is something that comes from the heart, if you're willing to, to lay down. And, and Jesus invites us to change the world by our service. He's done it for us so that we can do it for others. You say, how do you know that? Philippians 2, you know I had to get to that, didn't you? <laughs> Philippians 2, 5 and through 9. Let me read it to you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's a really cumbersome. I love the NIV translation of that particular verse. It said, who being, speaking about Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Something to be held unto. Jesus willingly laid aside his glory, his majesty, and his dominion and became a man. Verse 7, and he made himself of no reputation. And he took himself upon the, the, the form of a servant. It's the Greek word doulos. The Greek word doulos. And he was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion or the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. Wherefore? Did you see that word wherefore? Whenever you see a word wherefore, find out what it's there for. Okay? Wherefore is it therefore? You've got to find out why they're there for. Okay? It's very important. And so everything that's preceded is connected to what follows. So because Jesus did this, he says, wherefore, because Jesus humbled himself, became a man, died on the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and in earth and under the earth, and that, that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Let me ask you, we've just read it, why was Christ exalted again? Because he humbled himself. Because he served uh, the, the, his purpose, God exalted him. So God the Father honored Christ's service. That's what it says. Verse 9 says, Wherefore he was exalted, given a name that was above every name, because of what he's done. So God honored Christ's service. I want you to listen to the statement. I heard Bob Gass say it many years ago, and I've used it ever since. Okay? But it's powerful. He said, Our service now determines our status later. Amen? That's powerful. Our service now determines our status later. The way we serve determines the kind of reward that we are going to get. Hallelujah. That is what awaits us if we follow in Christ's footsteps. We too can change the world. Christ will honor us as the Father honored Jesus in exactly the same way. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 14, 11, Wherefore, whoever humble, uh, exalts himself shall be humble, but whoever uh, humbles himself shall be exalted. Amen. Hallelujah. So, let me paraphrase Matthew uh, 20 uh, and verse 26. It says this in essence. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, Learn to be the servant of all. How many want to be great in the kingdom of God? How many aspire to serve God in such a way that He says, Man, you're amazing. I'm just blessed. I'm going to bless you. Man, that's what I want. So let's have a look. See, what's He say? 
Let me read. I paraphrase it. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. Let me read to you Matthew 20 and verse 26 and 27. It says this, Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. There's a principle here. The greater you want to be, the more humble you must become, the more you must be willing to serve. Do you see it? The greater you want to be, the more humble you must become, the more willing you must be served. So, that word, servant, um, that we've just read, or slave, whoever wants to be first must be your slave. If you want to be great, be a servant. If you want to be first amongst the great ones, learn to be a slave. A slave, a servant has certain rights and privileges. A slave is just there to do what he's told. Amen? Amen. And if you want to be first amongst the great ones, you've got to learn to be a slave. That's the Greek word doulos. And it means a bond servant. And I'm going to say much more about that next week. So uh, it's going to be a real blessing. And, uh, but you're going to have to come back next week to hear poetry. Hallelujah. So that word uh, servant or slave is the, the Greek word dunos, and it means a bond servant. There's a real good picture that you've probably all seen. It's called Ben-Hur. Oh, I, love um, I love the story of Ben-Hur. Now, uh, you remember that he gets into trouble with the Roman authorities, and they, they take Charlton Heston, who's playing Judah Ben-Hur, is then arrested, and he's confined to the Roman fighting ships, and he's chained to the oar, and he's expected to die there. And so that is actually the, the, the historical understanding of, of this bond servant. is a third-level galley slave who was chained to a Roman uh, fighting ship, chained to the oar in a Roman fighting ship. And he was expected to die there. And you remember, uh, during, during the movie, he, his life was totally dictated by the, by the, 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 the ship of the, the master ship. The ship master, the guy who is in charge of the ship, <laughs> the, master of the, ship. the master of the ship. Thank you, praise God. And remember that the, the slaves are there, and they had to row everywhere, day and night. And then when they're going into battle, and they realized that the, the, they would try and ram the other ship and burst the sides, and so the boat would sink. They would have ramming speed, and so the slaves would have to row like this. You remember that? Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Come on, slave, row! You know, come on, get your back in. And the guards were going around whipping me. And, and and so the whole thing was that the the doulos, the bond servant, this this slave was taken from this very word means you were chained to your oar and you were expected to die as a slave. You were expected to die in your service. And that's what this is really speaking about. This is what, when the, when the gospel was already uh, written in, in Greek to the early church, that's what they understood. They knew that they were going to die. Now, the galley slave was expected to die being chained to his oar. Look at Philippians 2.7 again. Speaking about Jesus, who made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a servant. He took on the form of a doulos. He took on the form of a bond slave. In other words, Jesus was willing to give up his life to serve us, knowing that he was going to die in our service. Jesus was a true bond slave. 
a true doulos servant. Why? Why would God do that? Omnipotent, almighty God. Why would he do that? Let me tell you, the answer is very simple. It's because he loves us. He loves us. He's besotted for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It was love that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was love that kept him there. He could have called 10,000 legions of angels to deliver him. But it was love that kept him nailed to the cross because if he came down from the cross and didn't die, we could not be saved. And so it was that love was his overriding emphasis for what he did. Jesus said, no man takes my life. You might have thought the Romans nailed him to the cross, but Jesus said, no man takes my life. I lay it down. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. The greatest expression of love that the world has ever seen was when Jesus died on, on the cross for our sins. Think about it. The creator, creator God, is now crucified by his creation. That's a mind blower. That is a mind bender. Man, the creator God allows himself to be crucified by his creation. Why? He did that because he loved us. He loved us and he wants a relationship with you and I. Love was Christ's motivation. Love was his inspiration. And he was able to serve us because he loved us. And so we draw this principle that love is the master key to servanthood. Love is the master key to servanthood. Do you remember when Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus to dinner uh, at his place? Simon was an incredibly bad host. He was, he was rude and, 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 and you know, he didn't do anything that was customary for Jesus. He said, come have dinner with me and just basically ignores him, doesn't do anything. That's really <coughs> quite something. You know? And so... Uh, during that time, you know, that, that uh, Simon is shunning Jesus, really just picking his brains to see if there's anything really worthwhile to this son of man. And uh, a woman of ill repute sneaks in and ministers to, in, in, to, minister to Jesus. I want you to think about, she came prepared. She came with a bottle of perfume. She knew what she was going to do. She brought her perfume with her. She came prepared. Now she comes in to Simon, uh, the Pharisee's house. A more hypocritical person you could wish to find because he wouldn't even give Jesus the customary greetings of, of washing the feet and doing the, the normal things. That would, he was such a bad host. And here is this woman who goes into uh, a, a woman of ill repute who barges in, uninvited, into the most uh, religious, hypocritical man's house, a Pharisee. And she goes in there uninvited. I love it. She goes right past the host. Just ignore Simon. And she runs to the feet of Jesus and starts to minister to him. She starts to love him and starts to do all sorts of things. And, you know, Simon is outraged. You know, that you think, man, if, if this man really was a prophet of God, he would know what kind of woman it is that touches me. And Jesus said, we're not going to go through it all. I'm just going to edit this, but... Just let me pick out the important one. Luke 7, 44. 
Then he, Jesus turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. I want to tell you, that is so incredible. Do you know what the Bible says? Uh, the, 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 a woman's hair is her crowning glory. Yes. And now she's taking her crowning glory and wiping in the, in the dust of Jesus' feet. You don't get any more humble than that. She's taking her glory and she's laying it at the feet of Jesus. And she wipes the feet of Jesus with her, with her hair to dry him from the tears. No wonder she was the first to see the risen Lord. Absolutely. Amazing. Said, verse 45, You do not give me a kiss of greeting, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. This is what I want you to see. That servanthood is a product of love for her and for Jesus. That's why the more you love, the more you will serve. It really is. You know, love should be the motivation for all our service. To the degree that we love will be the degree that you serve. If you love little, you will serve little. If you love much, you will serve much. Remember how Jesus invites us to follow in his footsteps to change the world by our service? He invites us to lay down our lives as a servant, as a doulos, to die in his service. He doesn't force it. He says, the opportunity is there. Should you? We can only do that kind of thing if you love Jesus with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your... If Jesus is everything to you, only then are you willing to pay the ultimate price. The more you love Jesus, the more you will serve Him. The more you love Jesus and the more important Jesus is to you, the more that you will do for God. I'm hoping that there's a hunger growing in your heart to serve the Lord in a new and wonderful way. Look at what Jesus said. I love this. this is, I, I love many verses in the Bible, but this is my favorite one, and you can't have it, okay? This is mine. John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments, he that has the words that I've spoken, that's what Jesus is saying. He who hath my commandments and keepeth them is he that loveth me. Don't tell me you love the Lord and you're not doing what Jesus said. That's hypocrisy. That's what, that, that was the religion of, of Simon the Pharisee. If you love me, Jesus said, you have my commandments, you keep them. He it is that love me. And look at this. And he that loveth me, Jesus says, shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him. And I will manifest myself to him. You want more of God? You want the presence of God manifest in your life? Love the Word of God. Be obedient. Try to fulfill it. And you're going to experience God in new and wonderful ways. Examine your life. I believe you can see just how much you love Jesus by how much you obey Him and how much you serve Him. That's a good indicator of where your love is. You know, sometimes um, we, we only think of... Uh, 
our service, uh, we think of ourselves as really great, you know, until we put to the test. Like, you know, like Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, oh, Lord, I'm prepared to die for you. But before the night's out, he's already disowned him three times. You know, God knows what's in our heart. And it's only when we put under pressure that what's inside of us comes out. And so if we, if we love God, uh, then, then what's going to come out is our service to the Lord. You know, General Charles Gordon was one of the, one of the British uh, generals who served in China. Very, very gifted man. Did a really wonderful job. And the British government wanted to honor him with, with titles and money and lands. And he said, no, I, you know, I, that's not why I served, you know. I served as a soldier, and, and I don't want, I don't want to. Work. And so they said, "Look, no, you've done such an outstanding job. We have to." And so there was this big argument. They wanted to make him, you know, give him titles and money. And he said, "Finally, he said, I, I'll accept a a gold coin, and um, you can inscribe what I did with my name on it." I can tell you, as a soldier, that there are mementos that you keep from wars that are priceless priceless because they remind you of what you went through to get those things and so this memento this gold medallion was inscribed with General Gordon's name and his accomplishments I can tell you that that must have been something so precious so precious because I know the things that I have that I've kept from the war that uh, aren't nearly as valuable in terms of monetary value but in terms of after he, after he died, the family was searching through his belongings for the gold medal, and it couldn't be found. It was later discovered that there was a famine in Manchester, and, and General Gordon had taken the gold medal and sent it in. He said, uh, I would like you to melt down this medal and uh, use the, uh, this gold medal and use the money to buy bread for the poor. And he wrote in his diary that day, and he wrote these words. The only thing I had in this world that I valued, I now have given to Christ. It was a costly gift. He loved the Lord and others more than the things of this world. This is the heart of a true servant. He gave up something precious and valuable to him to serve others every meaningful service is precious and costly it's about death to self humility sacrifice and loving with all your heart when you serve it's about laying down your life for others when you serve it's about adding value when you serve it's about giving your time your talent, your abilities, your finances it's all that Service is about establishing the kingdom of God here on earth. Christ rule and reign on earth. And we are privileged to be a part of that through our service to the Lord. You know, people are so funny. Um, many times you, you hear people say that they get, all, they get saved and they get fired up. And, uh, you know, uh, they, they say, God, just use me. If there's anything I can do, just use me. God, I want to be used by you. Lord, please do this. So God graciously grants them the, the, the desire of their heart. You know, it's not, it's not a, a little while after before they're praying another prayer. They're praying this prayer. God, help. Help me, God. All this church wants to do is use me. 
careful with what we wish for. We need to make sure that what we, if we're going to be a servant of the Lord, that we realize that there's a cost to pray. Pastor Marcus says there's a real difference between a volunteer and a servant of the Lord. And he has listed a couple of things that I, I want to share with you. He said, after a while, volunteers can come with an attitude. You're lucky I'm here, mate. You know? I hope you appreciate what I'm doing or you won't see me again. Treat me right or I'm out of here. How many know that kind of attitude can cause problems from a volunteer? These people often feel like they owed something. And they start to murmur and they complain. They start running the church down, the, the, the people down, the pastor down, the paint and the pews. They run everything they can think of down. Because their heart is not the heart of a servant the heart of a volunteer. Listen, we all start out as volunteers. But the goal is to move, to grow, to become a servant of the Lord. And you'll see how different uh, the attitudes are between a volunteer and a servant. You see, you might say to them, uh, when, when they're in that place, you know, don't, don't, don't when, when they're all upset, you, you, they won't want to serve. They don't want to do anything. They sometimes uh, come with attitudes. They come with, you know, uh, things that uh, really upset them. And uh, volunteers have their own agendas. If they're going to do anything, they often want it done their way. You know, they're not thinking about the church, the vision, or the mission. They have their agenda, and they want to fulfill their agenda, so they want things done their way. Why? Because it's really all about them. They're the volunteer. That's all about them. So, I must tell you a story about the time that I, I was a volunteer or a servant. I mean, the, the Rhodesian War was going uh, on for many years, and I was doing my bit. Uh, but this one particular call-up, I had an out. I had a legitimate out. I could have, I could have got out and, and not served. But I thought, you know, Lord, I, I want to be a servant. I, I want to, uh, I, I will volunteer. I, I will go, you know, so I, I volunteered and I, I signed up as a volunteer. You know, the first job they gave me was to dig a latrine. A latrine? Are you kidding? You know, I, I don't deserve this. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a, I expect special treatment. I'm a volunteer, you know. <laughs> Digging latrines. I thought I had deserved uh, special consideration because, after all, I didn't need to be there. I was a volunteer. I love what Dr. Tony Evans says. How do you know when you have a servant's heart? By how you react when you treat it like one. Isn't that good? That's amazing. How do you know when you have a servant's heart by how you react when you treat it like one? I'm sorry to say that day I did not have a servant's heart when it came to digging the trees. You see, a true servant, a servant of God is not focused on themselves. It's not about them. It's about Christ. It's about what they can do for the Lord. They don't, they, they have this attitude that Whatever capacity they can serve, they'll do that. What can I do? What do you need? What can, how can I help? That's what a servant does. They have no demands. They have no agendas. They have no hidden motives. They are there to serve the Lord and their fellow man. A servant understands that there is hard work involved. They'll say, I'll fix that. I'll do, I'll do what I can. What do you need? You know, they see a problem and they're willing to fix it. Because they love the Lord. 
Remember I said to you, all service comes out of love. And that's why they do it, because they love the Lord. Their attitude is, whatever I can do, whatever it takes, I'm there. They don't murmur or complain. They rejoice in the Lord. They're happy that they're serving God. They're blessed to be a part of a team that's bringing honor and praise to the Lord. A true servant has that kind of attitude. You know, they're kingdom builders. They're seeking to glorify God. They're seeking uh, to lift up the Jesus name by their works. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When people see the things we do, it should glorify and honor the Lord. Amen? It should glorify and honor the Lord. The things we do are not supposed to bring us glory. They're to lift the Lord up. He is the great one after all. He's the one that we're trying to draw attention to with our labor. We're trying to say, look at this Jesus. He is the Savior of the world. Give your life to Him and He can turn your life around. That's why we do the things that we do. But whenever you talk about works, you've got to talk about this as well. Works cannot save you. No amount of good works will ever be enough to save you. You can't earn your salvation. Amen? You can't earn your salvation. Salvation is not about what we have done. It's about what Christ has done. Our works, praying, reading the Bible, fasting, giving, do not make us acceptable to the Lord. Salvation is about the cross plus nothing. You see, Jesus plus anything ruins everything. It's salvation in Christ alone. It's what He's done. See, works are a fruit of salvation. They are not the root. When you are saved, you bring forth fruit. You bring forth the works that prove that you are saved. Not the other way around. Some people are still trying to work their way into heaven. And sadly, they're not going to do that. I love the sons of Korah. In Psalm 84, verse 10, I'm just going to read the last part of that verse that says to them, uh, about them. It says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. A doorkeeper is a humble man, a humble occupation who is serving others with dignity and distinction. It's better than all the riches and titles that the wicked can give. Amen? Amen. If you think about it, it really is. Now, to quote Marcus again, uh, he says this, A volunteer is something you do. It can make them feel good. It says, look at me, look what I've done. You know, I'm, a, I'm a great volunteer. That was what was my heart when I was trying to do this. You know, I'm a volunteer. Don't treat me like that. Okay. A servant is something you are. A servant is something you, they are focused on serving others, helping others, serving the king, giving praise to the Lord for what Christ has done. That's what the true motivation of a, a servant is. A volunteer's work is visible from the outside. A true servant's greatest work is invisible because it's done on the hidden man of the heart. It's done uh, uh, by sacrificing for others. You see, a servant says, you know, maybe no one will ever see what I do, but that's okay because I'm not serving mankind. I'm serving he who sees all, who judges the thoughts and intents of my heart. That's whom I'm serving. 
And so it doesn't matter. I don't need the praise and the, the plaudits and, and, the, and the glory of, of, that man can give me. I'm after pleasing the heart of God. I want God's glory. I want God's blessing. That's the heart of a servant. You see, anything we do um, needs to be to glorify the Lord. A volunteer focuses on what they gave, you know, um, what they've done, the time they spent, what, what they've given, what they've done. But a servant focuses on what Christ has given, what He has done. Anything we do pales into insignificance when compared to what Jesus has done. Amen? Amen. So the focus, we've got to get the focus off ourselves. We're so good at putting the focus on us. Volunteers keep score. Volunteers keep score when they, and when they don't get the attention or the claim that they think they deserve. They become discouraged, disappointed, you know, frustrated. The longer, it's because it's taking longer than they thought. Ever known people like it? No, don't raise your hands. No. <laughs> but you know, that's often the way we, we, we look at things. You see? Because in the heart of a volunteer, they want to be applauded. They want to be praised. They want to be honored, pampered, praised. That's, the, that's what's in their heart. A servant, on the other hand, makes sacrifices. It says, a servant says, I'm here only to give glory to the Lord. My whole life is about that. That's what I'm here for. It's supposed to be a sacrifice. It's supposed to cost me. You never hear volunteers saying that. I'm supposed to take up my cross and die to self. Because we're building the kingdom of God. Amen? We are building the kingdom of God. And it's not all about what I like. Or about you know, how much I'm enjoying myself. No, it's not frivolous. Serving God can be hard work. It's blood, sweat, and tears. It's a test of your endurance. That's what a servant goes through. It's about serving and honoring the Lord, no matter what, no matter what the cost, no matter what the sacrifice. The true heart of the servant says, I will embrace it for the Lord. And I'm willing to be unrecognized. I'm willing to be unappreciated for the Lord. God teaches in the scriptures that the body is one. Amen? Mm -hmm. That every part of the body is vitally important. Will you do something for me? Will, will you look at your neighbor and say, you are vitally important to this church. You are vitally, vitally important. Isn't it good to realize that, you, that you're important to the purposes of God? It really is. It should be. Now, if the Bible talks about that you know, everyone is part of the body and we're all vitally important. The hand cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. Or the, the ear cannot say to the eye, I have no need of you. You know the scripture that I'm referring to. But that goes, God goes on to teach us this valuable lesson. He says that the unseen parts of the body are most vital. It's the unseen parts of the body that I most want. You can live without an eye, a hand, or a foot, but you can't live without a heart, a liver, lungs, or kidneys. The things that are not seen are the most important. It's not about the preacher from the pulpit who's seen there. It's about the people who serve in the pews. They are the most important in the kingdom of God. 
You see, servants are willing to lay down their lives like Jesus. Christ withheld nothing from us. He went the extra mile, turned the other cheek, suffered in our place. A true servant will do whatever it takes for the Lord. I'm just going to close with this, this story. Uh, I believe it was a true story, but I have no way of authenticating it. Uh, but uh, this is what, what I was told. A family had been in a, a very serious car accident. And their youngest son, Mike, was seriously injured and needed a blood transfusion or he was going to die. He had an elder brother of about eight years old, and uh, uh, his name was Danny. And, uh, you know, his dad spoke to Danny and said, look, you know, we, we really need your help. You know, uh, Mike is going to die if uh, he doesn't have your blood. Um, and he explained how important it was for, De uh, for Danny to give his blood. And it would be really great if he could help Mike out. And there was a long pause by Danny. Finally, he said, Yes, Daddy, I'll give my blood so that Mike can get better. So they put the needle in the vein to draw the blood, and Danny could watch the blood draining out into, into the packet. And he turned to his dad with tears in his eyes, and he said, Daddy, when will I die? He didn't understand that he was giving a portion of his blood. He thought he was giving his life. What a sacrifice. Greater love has no man than this, than a boy who lays down his life for his brother. You see, we choose to lay down our life for the Lord. It's my choice. Nobody makes me do this. God gave us free will, but I choose to surrender to Him. I choose to serve the Lord. I choose to give my life to God, to spend my time with the Lord, to see what He wants to do in me and through me. God's Word is so amazing. You know, I have no power to change me. My flesh can't change my life. But when I allow the Holy Spirit to come and take full control of my life, it's so amazing what he'll do because when I am weak, he's strong. Are we willing to sacrifice everything for the Lord? To lay our lives afresh upon the altar? Be a better living sacrifice for Christ. To really surrender all to him. Are we willing to renew our commitment to the Lord? As you ponder that, I want to. I was reminded that I haven't been giving altar calls, and so I want to give you an, an opportunity uh, to come forward this morning. If you if you're thinking about that and think I really want to serve the Lord in a better and a deeper capacity, I want to rededicate my life to greater service in the Lord. If you would do that, if there's anybody here that says I want to make that sacrifice, please don't make it lightly. Please don't make it just because you know you think it'd be a good thing to do. But if you really want to mean something before the Lord, you want to do that. Is anybody? Please come forward now. All meaningful service is costly and precious. This is going to be a costly sacrifice. Going to involve changes. As you surrender to the Holy Spirit, He's going to wake you up tomorrow morning and say, It's time to pray. It's time to read my word. 
us and guide us through all that we encounter. Lord, I just want to pray for those that have come forward this morning. I want to be amongst them, Lord. I want to be numbered amongst those who are offering themselves in greater service and dedication to the Lord. I know that there's more that I can do and I want to do more. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that's come forward this morning, myself included. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would minister deep into our heart, that you would set our heart ablaze again, that you would renew us, that you would revive the fire and the spirit within us, Lord, to help us to love you more passionately, more ardently, more fervently, Lord, that our love would grow and increase more and more, even from this moment on as we're becoming that living sacrifice, Lord, we're on that altar now. Lord, we're climbing upon the altar and say, Lord, here is my life. I love you, Jesus. Work in me. Don't allow me to stagnate. Don't allow me to rest on past glories. But Lord, let me come forward. Let me come and and serve you with a a newness of heart, with a fresh commitment to you. Lord, I want to make a meaningful and significant (coughs) statement by coming forward and presenting my life to you. Lord, this week is going to be lived in, 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 in your presence. I want to live and move and have my being in you. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be revived. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that revival would come to us, that there would be a new glory, a new anointing, a passion. Lord, the the, the thunder of God echoing in our heart and soul, that, Lord, we have come before the the omnipotent God, Lord, before the one who knows all, Lord, who loves all, who was the greatest servant that ever walked the face of the earth. Lord, we want to be like you. Help us, Lord, when our flesh wants to be pampered. Help us, Lord, to crucify the self-will. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would, you would change us, Lord. That we would move from glory to glory. That we would come before you, Lord, and say, Jesus, we want to serve you in a, with a fresh passion. Lord, that we would do a new thing in us. Just take a, take a few moments and just worship the Lord. Lord, we thank you that our works don't merit salvation, but because we love you, we want to be like that that woman. Lord, who, who came into Simon the Pharisee's house, Lord, to worship Jesus. She came prepared. She came to serve, ready to serve with her perfume. She had every intention of getting to Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that we would move in, in, in newness of life, have that intention in our heart of getting to Jesus.